0: And those are great words, savior, provider, but generous. You know, in
1: our last study, we were going over the single names to describe God. And there's one, that's a name we didn't mention. That's a name that we didn't mention, the word generous. But in opening all of the storehouses, Joseph was generous. You know what? God is generous. He's generous. I mean, if you think of a verse that shows the generosity of God, what verse would come to your mind? Yeah, what verse in the Bible? John 3.16, that's a verse of tremendous generosity. That's a verse of tremendous, I mean, there are so many verses in the Bible that show the generosity, but John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Romans 5.8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. How about that for generosity? While we were God's enemies, God comes and dies for our sins. How about that for the generosity of God? How about these verses? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Very bad news. Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 says that. Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here we are. We've all sinned. By our sins, we have incurred for ourselves, congratulations, here's your ticket to hell, uh, eternal death in hell, and what does God do for us hell-deserving sinners? He gives us a gift of eternal life, compliments of God the Son. He, he dies for our sins to enable God the Father to give us this gift of eternal life. Generosity is really measured by how much it costs the generous person. And the cost of God the Father's generosity is, as Gene said, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the cost. That's the cost of giving up his only begotten Son so that we should not get what we deserved, which is to perish. That's generosity. That's generosity. Just to show how much it cost God the Father when he gave his son. He spoke from he- heaven. The Father spoke from heaven in Matthew 3:17. Matthew 3:17. Low a voice from heaven saying, "This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased." So God the Father, he's not just giving up his only son, he's giving up his beloved son, and he's giving up his only son in whom he's well pleased. That's generosity. That's generosity of God the Father. Generosity of God the Father is seen, especially also in Romans 8.31. Romans 8.31 says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So God the Father's only beloved son in whom he is well-pleased. He didn't for an interest, he didn't for take his own interest into account, and he didn't say, oh no, not my only beloved son, and whom I am well-pleased. Give him up for dirty, rotten sinners? I don't think so. It was the generosity of God the Father that comes through when it says in that verse, Romans 8.32, Romans 8.32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. That's God's generosity. It says he spared not. It means in 2 Corinthians 5.21, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he hath made him to be the sin offering for us all, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so that's, that's the generosity. What does that mean when he made him to be the sin offering? What it means, it means Isaiah 53.10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. It means that in God's generosity, it pleased him to bruise his son. It pleased him to put him to grief his son in whom he's well pleased. Also, he could save us from our sins. That's the generosity of God. The generosity of God is seen in Isaiah 53, 5. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's God's generosity. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, the iniquity of us all. Daniel 9:26, Daniel 9:26. After threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, but not for himself. Those three words, not for himself, show the generosity of God. The Lord Jesus Christ died not for himself, not for himself, as it says in first Corinthians fifteen three, how I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And at the heart of generosity is sympathy. At the heart of generosity is sympathy. And this is what Joseph had for the the Egyptian people. Joseph sympathized with the Egyptian people. It really hurt Joseph in his heart to see the Egyptian people suffering from starvation. And that's why God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ have been so generous to us because it hurt them in their heart to see us suffering. They sympathize with our feelings, as it says about the Lord Jesus in Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15, which says, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched, touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but it was all point tempted like as we are yet without sin. This word touched, it has such tenderness to it, such intimacy of the Lord Jesus Christ when it comes to our weaknesses, it's one thing to say Jesus knows all about our sorrows. It's a much greater involvement for him when we read that he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You know, as you know, this last few days ago, when I got on the plane in Hawaii to come home, I sat next to a lady and said, hello, and her first words to me was, it's terrible to get old. <laughs> what she said. So... I said, well, that's nice. No, I didn't say it. <laughs> I said, I asked her what was wrong. And then she told me that she had AFib since 1982. Then I really listened <laughs> and, <laughs> Which resulted in a large heart, which caused a leaking aortic tricuspid valve that's caused severe swelling in her limbs. And she was going directly from the airplane into the hospital, into the emergency room. Last time she was in ICU for three days. And she told me about all her problems And all I could think of was that my sympathy was nowhere near the sympathy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I encouraged her to receive him as her savior that sympathizes with her. Now, when we read in verse 56 that Joseph opened all the storehouses, it shows us that Joseph was carefully watching the state of the Egyptians. And at the right time, Joseph decides, now's the time and he opens all the storehouses. I mean, he could have decided to open the storehouses in verse 54, what time was that in verse 54? When the seven years of dearth began to come. That was the time of verse 54. It was the began to come. But and if Joseph had opened all the storehouses when the famine began in verse 54, then there would have been no interruption in the food supply for the Egyptians. But Joseph decided not to open the storehouses in verse 54 when they began to come, the famine began to come. Instead, Joseph decided to wait until the next verse, verse 55, to open all the storehouses when it says, and when all the land of Egypt was famished. Now, Joseph was compassionate, and he saw the Egyptians were starting to starve before he opened all the storehouses. So now my question to you is this. Why do you think Joseph waited till all the land was famished before he opened all the storehouses? Uh Uh-huh. So in other words, really to come to the conclusion, this is serious, this is real, this is here to stay. Yeah, good. So first of all, the Egyptians were not ready to receive from Joseph the food until they were starving. And if Joseph had just opened those storehouses earlier, You know, the Egyptians, they might have just continued to use their own food and supplement with the food from Joseph and never really have understood how needy they were. And that's the same with people. That's the same with people. The gospel is is like all the storehouses in Egypt, and the gospel is wonderful. But sometimes the lost are like the Egyptians in verse 54 with their spiritual famine just, just beginning to come. And sometimes people are really not in a state of desperation of verse 55. So just as Joseph was watching very carefully the state of the Egyptian people, so God watches very carefully over each person. And like Joseph, God sees each person's own personal verse 54 in their personal spiritual famine as beginning. And like Joseph, God sees each person's own personal verse fifty-five when their own personal famine has reached the point where they're desperate, where they're famished, and only God sees that. We don't see that because we don't we don't see that because that's happening inside the person. And that just as Joseph looked for the people being famished and then decided when to open all the storehouses, God looks for the people being spiritually famished and then decides to send someone. To open the storehouse of the gospel, and at that time God sends us to that person to open the gospel's storehouses by evangelization, by evangelizing, like sending us on an airplane to sit next to a person whom God wants to open the gospel storehouse. And like Joseph, he knew just the right time to open the storehouses, and then he told his servants. You know, Joseph didn't run all around to Egypt with his key and said, "Well, let me open." <laughs> He told his servants, go open the storehouses. So God, as our heavenly Joseph, knows just the right time for each person when the gospel storehouse should be open for that person. And then God sends us as his servant to go open the gospel storehouse to that person. That means we need to be sensitive to the Lord when, and listen to his call when he says, go open the gospel storehouse. Like this summer, the summer blitzers panned out Across the U.S. and in Canada and Argentina and Israel. Why? To open the gospel storehouses to the Jewish people. Now, when when it says in verse 56 that Joseph opened all the storehouses, it was not just for the Egyptians. Because you look at verse 57. Verse 57 says, And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn because that the famine was sore in all the lands. So, first, for Egypt, when Joseph opened all the storehouses, it meant that Joseph wanted to save and feed all the Egyptians. And not just the most elite of the Egyptians, and not just the most productive people in the society of Egypt. He wanted to feed all the Egyptians. And then, when we read in verse 57, how all the countries came to Joseph for food, we understand Joseph didn't turn them away and say, hey, this food is only for the Egyptians. You might become an enemy of Egypt for all I know. I don't want to feed my potential enemies. No, that wasn't Joseph. As a matter of fact, it looks like Joseph knew the famine was going to be worldwide. And Joseph had in mind feeding the world with the food during those years when he put it away, the plenty, because he wanted everyone to have food during the famine. And it's easy for us to have the attitude that Joseph did not have of just saying, well, you know, the gospel comfort, that's for America. I don't care about the Saudi Arabians. I don't care about the people of Kazakhstan. I don't care about the jungle people in Indonesia. I'm not going to get involved with sending the gospel to those people. But that was not the attitude of Joseph. As he wanted to feed everyone, he put away food for everyone. He opened all the storehouses for the whole world to be fed. Now that's a challenge for us. That's a challenge for us to have the same heart of universal generosity for all people to be saved through the gospel because that's God's heart in 1 Timothy 2.4, 1 Timothy 2.4, where it says about God, he will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So Joseph opens all the storehouses to all the Egyptians in the world and he's fulfilling the purpose of storing up the food. Like the food in the storehouses, the purpose of the gospel was so that it can be distributed, so it can go out, which is why the Lord Jesus Christ said in Mark sixteen fifteen, Mark sixteen fifteen, he said unto them, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, open the storehouse of the gospel, all the storehouses to the people. He said those words. And when the Lord Jesus said that, it was just like Joseph saying, Okay, the time has come, open all the storehouses. Now, we read what Joseph did when he opened all the storehouses in verse 56. It says when the famine is over all the face of the earth, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. Now we read there that Joseph does just not just give the food to the Egyptians when he opened all the storehouses, but he sold the food to the Egyptians. Now Joseph saw that the people were starving. Joseph saw the people didn't have any food. Joseph knew the people needed food. He knew he had all the food in the storehouses. He laid up all that food in the storehouse for the Egyptians. It was for the Egyptians. Why didn't Joseph just give the food to the Egyptians that was in the storehouses? Why did he make the Egyptians buy the food that was in the storehouses? Why do you think that Joseph made the Egyptians buy the food? Why didn't he just give the food during the famine? Why do you think All right, good. Okay, he was conservative. He was conservative. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, someone else? Uh, He was a Republican. Okay, (laughs) so, you know, for example, I remember in Ethiopia one time when I was standing around doing nothing in Addis Ababa, and I saw these men carrying these big white sacks, and I saw it was emblazoned on their USAID, you know, United States aid, and I thought, oh, that came from the U.S. It's been sent for the famine, here in Ethiopia to, during the famine. And I thought, this is interesting. I'll follow them. So I did. I followed these fellows as they're carrying these big sacks of rice on their shoulders that was for relief, U.S. sending relief to Ethiopia. I was shocked to see them carry them right into their stores and sell it. And <laughs> sell the grain, sell the rice to the Ethiopians. I wanted to say, hey, I didn't give you that for that. Anyway, Food that was given for free from the U.S. was being taken by those shop owners and sold to the Ethiopians. So, by selling the food to the Egyptians, Joseph was preventing misuse and also causing the Egyptians to be careful with the food that they were provided with. You know, when the Egyptians bought the food, they were not going to waste any of it, right? Because it cost them. You know, by preventing this waste of food, Joseph enabled that the circle of relief could be larger to all the countries because the food wasn't being wasted. And also, Joseph cared about how the Egyptians felt about themselves. You know, when a person takes welfare, they develop a very low esteem of themselves like a beggar who's dependent on other people. But when a person buys their food, that gives the person a sense of a healthy independence that they've bought the food, and they're not like a beggar who's dependent on others. Something that the U.S. government is slowly, more or less, learning over the years with the welfare programs, how good it is to get people working and get off welfare. But there's another lesson for us here when we see Joseph selling the food. Joseph did not just open up the storehouses and then tell his servants, okay, open up the storehouses, and when you got them opened up, then you guys become delivery boys and go take it to every door and knock on the door and say, hey, I brought you your daily food delivery, and then the person in the inside yells out, okay, just leave it by the door. I'll get it later, right? I mean, Joseph made those Egyptians come to the storehouses for food, and Joseph made those Egyptians buy the food they wanted, Now, that's just like how God saves people. This is how God saves people through the gospel. Each person has to come to God. He has to confess that he's a dirty, rotten sinner. He has to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save him from his sins. I mean, God just could have saved everybody automatically, just like delivering the food to everyone's door in Egypt. But God had a requirement. It's like Joseph had a requirement, you gotta come, you gotta pay. But God had a requirement on being saved, and the requirement is for the sinner to come to God, to confess to God, he's a dirty, rotten sinner, and the sinner to believe God that he became a man, died for his sins, rose from the dead, and he has to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into his heart to be a savior. And just as Joseph put that requirement of coming to the storehouses and buying the food, that's the requirement that God puts on the sinner to be saved. Only the difference is the sinner doesn't buy his salvation, and that's what God said, you don't have to buy this. In Isaiah 55, one, Isaiah 55, one, ho everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, he that hath no money, come ye, buy, eat, yea, come, buy wine, milk, I should say, buy non-alcoholic wine. (laughs) by wine, milk, and without money, without price. Now, in verse 57, when we see all the countries affected by the famine and all the countries coming to Joseph to buy food, that's a picture for us of how all people are in the same spiritual famine that we are in, and they feel the same burden of sin that we felt. And so all people come as they came to Joseph, they come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we see here is how all the countries came, as it says at the end of this chapter, all the countries came to Joseph before the family of Joseph came. And this shows us the truth in Isaiah 60, verse 3. Isaiah 60, verse 3. The Gentiles shall come to thy light. And in Romans eleven twenty five. Romans eleven twenty five. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. So just as in this chapter, there was one Jewish person who was eating just fine. You know who that was? It was Joseph. (laughs) Blindness in part. (laughs) It was the remnant of Joseph. He had plenty of food. But in this chapter here in Genesis, The Gentiles come to Joseph before Joseph's family. And so it is today that the Gentiles have come and are coming to the Lord Jesus Christ before the Jewish people come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just as we've come to the end of chapter 41, hooray, right? Just as we've come to the end of chapter 41 with the Gentiles coming to Jesus, well, I should have said Joseph, with the Gentiles coming to Joseph, and we're ready to start chapter 42 of Joseph's family coming to Joseph. Now, we're coming to the end of the time when the Gentiles come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're getting ready for the Jewish people to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who knows, maybe next week, by the time we start Genesis 42, the Jewish people are gonna All come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being such a generous God. And Lord, help us to worship you more for your generosity and to reflect generosity in our own hearts to be like our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you believe God created the earth? Do you believe God created you in His image? Then come celebrate Museum Day at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Museum Day is a Christian family festival event with life-size dinosaurs, games, rides, contest prizes, fair food, vendor booths, petting zoos, live animal encounters, and super science experiments for kids, along with world-renowned speakers Tom Cantor, Eric Hoven, David Reeves, Russ Miller, Kevin Conover, Dr. John Baumgardner, and more. Free admission to the museum and all speaking engagements for you and your family and entire church family are free. The Creation and Earth History Museum is located off of Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue in Santee next to the Santee Drive-In. So bring your family and friends on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and strengthen your faith at Museum Day. For more information, call us at 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org. CreationSD.org.